0: Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host is my friend Sharm. Hello and today we are discussing chapter 22 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. In chapter 22 Fanny is finally central and gets to have a storyline of her own. She gets caught in the rain, goes to visit Miss Crawford is the harp and then Miss Crawford says you have to keep coming to visit me so she does Edmund comes to collect her one day when they're sitting out in the cold and there's lots of hints again about him and Mary being in love but she wants money and he wants to not be poor and then they get invited to dinner at the parsonage the very first sentence of this chapter is what I mentioned in the last podcast. Fanny's consequence increased on the departure of her cousins. There's a whole paragraph about it that ends with, even without her being wanted for anyone's convenience. Because of course that's how she was always wanted before. Now she's just
1: wanted for Fanny. And I think Lady Bertram enjoys her company. She's just too indolent to, too much about making Fanny's life better. But she does enjoy her company for her sake. Very peaceful for Lady Bertram, really, I should think, which is why she's attractive to her. Because Fanny can sit there quietly and not disturb Lady Bertram. Pointless chatter. Now, this is quite interesting, this chapter, isn't it, really? Because you have Mary Crawford desperately looking out of the
0: window for entertainment. entertainment. <laughs> she became acceptable to Mary Crawford in the gloom and dirt of a November day. What a way to talk about Fanny. And Fanny could have enjoyed herself if she could have believed herself not in the way, even when they've specifically invited her in because it was raining.
1: Yes, I questioned that particular statement. I would have thought she'd have felt more, um, rather than just being in the way, but as in, oh, well, because there's nobody else around.
0: The book very clearly says that. She has no sense of obligation for being sought now when nobody else was to be had.
1: So that's quite a strong statement, really, for Fanny. Because if all she wants to be is of use, then actually she's being polite. She's not actually going out of any sense of obligation.
0: Yeah, it sounds kind of like a sick fascination that she keeps turning up there. She could not be easy without going. And it was without loving Miss Crawford and without ever thinking like her. She did get occasional amusement, but often at someone's expense. Yeah. An an intimacy resulting principally from Miss Crawford's desire of something new, which had little in reality in Fanny's feelings. Miss Crawford doesn't care about Fanny. She just wants the amusement of her and someone to talk to.
1: Ironically, actually, Miss Crawford is probably almost the second most observant character in the book after Fanny. But in this instance, she's not sensitive. Or maybe... Oblivious to or use... I don't think... She's very good at, as it were,
0: justifying her actions. If it makes her happy, she's going to do it. She's really surprised that Fanny's never heard her play the harp, but she's never invited Fanny over, and why would Fanny go to visit otherwise? Uh, And convinces her to stay and listen to Edmund's favourite, which Fanny had been thinking about Edmund anyway.
1: So that was undeniably either tactless or oblivious.
0: (laughs) wanted to like whatever was liked by him.
1: You can imagine that fascination there, couldn't you there? With those people that you love, want to love what they love because you think it brings you closer to them. Which is a bit difficult sometimes when it's rugby or something like that.
0: It's a really unequal relationship between Fanny and Miss Crawford and you can see that in their conversations. Fanny gets super excited about nature and how wonderful, how very wonderful the operations of time and the changes of the human mind. And she's really thinking about something that could be a deep conversation. She's talking about the inequalities of memory. I think she might be thinking about Mr Crawford here, how she remembers him as different to how everybody else does. And Miss Crawford is untouched and intentive. Fanny loves nature. This is a contrast, really, between the
1: town mouse and the country mouse. And your country mouse has to be observant of the seasons. You need to know, and it comes on later as well, you can't just go out and buy things from the market. If it's not there, it's not there.
0: I suppose in a modern age we are so removed from that, even in rural areas you can still procure things that aren't grown at that time. This is something which is quite interesting, ironically, because it is something
1: I've observed or been taken with in the last few years. It's an age thing too. What I remember growing up is we talked about seasonal vegetables and seasonal fruits because they were not in the market, you know, so you always had caviar. I mean, broccoli, we never ate broccoli. Broccoli's man-made. Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't a common vegetable when I was around. We did have marrow, which I loathe. Uh, whereas Miss Crawford, A, she doesn't have to worry anything because she has a poultry And she has a, her own gardener and her own market that she can go and see. And so it's never a thing she worries about.
0: Yeah, she has that conversation with her sister about the nurseryman and the poulterer, but Mm. they don't exist at Mansfield. They might in the city, but not at Mansfield. And because Mansfield is not close to, I suppose it's a little bit close to a village, but it's not close to a big city, they would have to do everything themselves. Fanny is a great lover of nature. She's admiring the shrubbery that they're in, and Miss Crawford says the most hilarious thing I see no wonder in the shrubbery, equal to seeing myself in it. (laughs)
1: It's not that she just appreciates the beauty. I think it's Fanny also appreciates the life in it, the change in it, the variety in it. Again, because she sees it over time.
0: She goes into a great talk about evergreens and how they're different to deciduous trees and how fascinating that is and I
1: wonder whether that's a reference because around this time of course there was a lot of exploration and people bringing back plants from strange countries and things so evergreens were not common there because you know holly was evergreen yes fir trees and things like that didn't grow as commonly then until later until they started having um plantations of them But you had all these explorers going out and bringing these exotic trees and plants back, which looked out of place, which she goes on in that. So talking about, you know, are are the furs so exotic here? Are the deciduous exotic when they go to where people have furs? That contrast of the something out of place, is that really, is it even a reference to her? But she does rather ramble a bit, so I can imagine why Mary would have switched off by halfway through.
0: (laughs) She has to keep pulling herself back because Miss Crawford is not interested in anything she talks about. Where she would have talked like this to Edmund. Miss Crawford goes on in her quite snobby way, being surprised that she's enjoyed herself for five months. (laughs) In, In the country. Yes, I never spent so happy a summer. And then she goes on to talk about what she thinks would be ideal, An elegant, moderate-sized house in the centre of family connections, continual engagements among them, commanding the first society in the neighbourhood, looked up to perhaps as leading it even more than those of larger fortune. This is what she wants... But then she goes on to talk about Mrs. Rushworth being like, oh, no, I wasn't talking about me. I was talking about Mrs. Rushworth. Even though Mrs. Rushworth actually has more money than everybody else in the neighbourhood, as far as we know. She has this lovely future fantasy of what Mrs. Rushworth's life is going to be like. (laughs) She's going to fill her house and give the best balls in the country. None of it's going to happen.
1: No, I know. And when I first read that, my immediate reaction was, you know, she's going to fill the house with the patter of tiny feet.
0: That's what you'd expect for a a young man couple.
1: Yes, but that isn't it. It was with balls,
0: with parties. These are really short conversation as they see Edmund and he's coming out to them about titles. Because Tom is gone. We didn't hear that he'd left, but we knew that he probably would. So Edmund is back to Mr. Bertram as opposed to Mr. Edmund Bertram, which Miss Crawford prefers. Yes, because it has status. But Fanny says Edmund's such a wonderful name, and she goes off into a bit of fancy. A name of heroism and renown, of kings, princes, and knights. I was just trying to think was the Black Prince an Edmund or an Edward? Were you talking about Black Adder?
1: No, not Black Adder. <laughs> no. <laughs> the Black Prince. I don't know the Black He, I think he was the son of, or was, or was he Prince? No, he was a Henry. It was Prince Hal in Shakespeare's Merry Wives of Windsor and Henry V. I think he was the Black Prince, but my history's not that good enough. We really know what we're talking about. But uh, I was just thinking, uh, you know, there were a lot of Edmunds and Edwards who were kings. Again, she's raving these discussions that she and Edmund would have been able to have quite happily, as you do when you have somebody of a like mind and interest,
0: like I do sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Edmund comes up to them so they cannot continue this conversation, obviously. A friendship between two so very dear to him was exactly what he could have wished. And he even says to them, while you do wrong together, I can overlook a great deal. He really does have affection for them both, which is lovely, but probably quite painful for Fanny. Then Edmund and Miss Crawford get into another argument about money. She says, I mean, to be too rich to worry about the poulterer or the nurseryman as she was talking about with Mrs. Grant a large income is the best recipe for happiness I ever heard of and Edmund says my intentions are only not to be poor which reminds me of Eleanor and Marianne Eleanor's ideas of rich was Marianne's ideas of subsisting so I imagine Edmund's ideas of rich would be Miss Crawford's ideas of subsisting she is Snarky as anything, be honest and poor by all means, but I shall not envy you. I have a much greater respect for those that are honest and, and rich. I must look down upon anything contented with obscurity when it might rise to distinction. It's almost like you're not trying hard enough. Why are you not trying hard enough? Why are you not ambitious? He does refer to a distinction. Which he should be miserable if he thought himself without any chance, and he's referring to her hand in marriage. Fanny is having a difficult time because she's supposed to be paying attention to Mrs. Grant, but she is listening to this going on in front of her. She can see the unwritten dialogue. Those two just fight all the time because they want such different things.
1: People are delusional if they think it would have been a happy ever after. It would not have been. She would never have been comfortable. She would have been pushing him to be something he didn't want to be. And she would not have been comfortable in the countryside.
0: Edmund's come to collect Fanny to take her back to the park because his mother was asking for her, which gets her into a frenzy. I have to go right now. I was too polite to leave earlier, but I have to go right now. As they're leaving, Dr. Grant invites Edmund for dinner. And Fanny's like, cool, I'm being left out again. I'm not surprised, but you know. Then Mrs. Grant, with kind of seems surprised at herself that it's just occurred to her and she invites Fanny to dinner. Fanny does not feel that she can accept though it would be a flight of audacious independence. I love that wording for her to say yes I can come but Edmund convinces her that her aunts will probably be happy with it.
1: Except Mrs Norris won't be happy with it, I'm
0: sure. Oh no, Mrs Norris doesn't like anyone paying attention to Fanny. This is the potentially first chapter where Fanny is central.
1: It is. The only thing I dislike about it, I don't like Fanny to be made a martyr. And I think she's being a bit of a martyr in this one.
0: In what way?
1: By agreeing to visit, I suppose.
0: Because she does not? seem to enjoy it much. It seems more painful for her.
1: Well once she's decided that yes actually it would be kind because obviously Miss Crawford does want some younger company then I might not be the ideal but it would do me good. Do you know what I mean? Is that because she knows? Is it also because of the fact that she has this awareness of the relationship between her and
0: Edmund though? I do think it would be less painful for her if she were not in love with Edmund. That's true. She might make less of an effort were she not in love with Edmund because there is this sort of fascination with Miss Crawford he loves her there must be something good about her
1: yes and also she doesn't want things go the way she thinks they might she wouldn't want Edmund's wife to think negatively of her
0: and that is our summary of chapter 22 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen my name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francesduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. Here's merch of...